it was always part of the plan to put a brewery in, but for many years it, it was just a plan. It's 100% acquisition of Green Beacon. No, we had a chat with everybody. Anyone would have seen this coming a mile away. It's the passion and the, the dedication to beer and brewing. Oh, yeah. That's super simple and direct question. It's always fun to get to speak about beer. And that's what we're here to do, talk about beer. I'm Claire Burnett, Senior Journalist at Australian Brews News, where we're all about news, not noise, and serving the industry. Today I've got with me Lauren Jack, uh, Chief Operating Officer of Ballistic Beer, based here in Brisbane, with five venues now. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, but also a newly appointed board member of the Independent Brewers Association. So hey, Lauren. Hey, Claire. Thank you for having no me. Worries. Thanks for coming on. Uh, and also congrats to your host 100 wins. Thank recently. you. That Thank you banging. very much. You're happy yes. with that? Yeah, incredibly happy. That's good. Um, yeah, great result. Uh, especially because Hawaiian Hayes came out with the big bang and the billboards and all that kind of shazam, all that stuff. And then you guys just coolly didn't do anything and it still got to what number eight was it yeah yeah so massive result um Gunjan our head of marketing Mm -hmm. uh did an incredible job obviously um this year campaigning and I think that those that leaned into it like all really lifted their game this year which I thought was really nice to see and had a different strategy so yeah she did a great job on that but definitely throughout the year we've sort of maybe quieted down some of the Hawaiian haze activations so we could focus on some of the new products we've got, like Loha and things like that, and yeah. spread the love. Still did it, did, didn't seem to yeah. hurt, did it? No, it's quite <laughs> all right. So, yeah, really, it was really nice and always nice to, to celebrate with, like, the staff at the venue and, oh, and with customers and stuff. Yeah, 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 the guys work really hard to keep it to a standard. And, and so, um, and coming to Christmas, obviously, everybody industry-wide, that's, mm-hmm. you know, just time to dig in so it's a nice thing to come off of and come back in Jan and celebrate beautiful yeah oh well now you're a little bit of an enigma just do my research as we do at Bruce News um went to have a little check of the old LinkedIn <laughs> Lawrence is empty okay I'm just telling you nothing to purple on at all just ballistic is that that's <laughs> tell me a little bit about yourself that's where I started yeah, um that's just it. life happened and then it was ballistic <laughs> um yeah so tell me a little bit about your background where you've come from what, what have you been up to Lawrence yeah, so um, Canadian, um, and nobody I get, get that wrong. No, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and I, I've been in Australia since 2015, and I had a background um, in purchasing and production, uh, and I did that for a golf wholesale company. So younger, younger years, Lauren um, was really heavily involved in golf. Uh, playing, working, <laughs> Are everything. you still good? Still um, oh, goodness, probably not to the same level oh, yeah. um, when you don't work in it. Like all things, it costs money to golf and um, work is busy. But yeah, like, I still love it. Passion, it's a wonderful thing to play. Like me, I find people either love or hate it, but yeah. I, I do love it. Um, so yeah, that's sort of the background. And I guess from a professional standpoint, um, some of the concepts that are involved in what I did at home it makes a lot of sense for any industry mm-hmm. um, and you just reapply it to the product that you're, you're working in. So when I came here, it wasn't initially to stay. Um, oh, it never is. never is, it right? Never I know, is. I'm, I not, know I'm not a unique story by any stretch, <laughs> so I'll skip all of that bit. Um, but when I did decide that I was interested in staying, I guess I worked at Tipler's Tap in the hospital side. Did you? Yeah. Oh, okay, all right, all right. Yeah, so I did a cheeky when I arrived, like a craft beer in Brisbane and then like I, I must have been an urban list article that would have come up oh yeah with five venues and just like shot out uh went through the world. yeah just went resumes list. to everything and see what happens uh-huh. um because but why craft beer well fine dining and I weren't 
probably ever going to be aligned. Um, <laughs> that was a beautiful. I feel way like of I would, it. yeah. I feel like I would drop a lot of things, and I so I thought I needed something. And um, my parents, weird, not weirdly, my parents are um, really into craft beer uh, mm-hmm. back home in Ontario. So there was a craft, like a brew pub back home that we used to go to all the time. So mm-hmm. um, sort of had it as a hobby, as an enjoyment when yeah. I was in Canada, and there's a great scene there as well. So coming here, I think I always you know, looked at the other side of the counter and just thought they seemed like they enjoyed what they were doing, like they were passionate about the product and mm-hmm. I can do that. So, but yeah, that's the reason I guess I went that way. I wanted to enjoy, I was on holiday, so I wanted yeah. to enjoy work and um, got lucky enough to get a role at Tipplers, which is like a great establishment. And mm-hmm. I learned so much about, so much more about beer. I, I feel like I knew nothing and it turns out. Um, and then... There's always so much to learn. Yeah, so much to learn. Mm-hmm. And I think that's, yeah, very exciting uh, like a draw, definitely a draw to the industry. And then, you know, the community in Brisbane, but in general, so good. So um, when I wanted to stay, just kind of through looking in a series of chats, I managed to get a position at Newstead. Um, oh, fantastic. Yeah, so they were really kind to sponsor me to stay, which obviously is a big commitment on their part. Um, but, uh, yeah, so that was really wonderful. And I started just as 2IC at the Doggett Street venue uh, under Jim Gold. Hey, hey Jimmy. Jimmy. <laughs> um, and then they were building Milton at the time. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, with that comes inventory in different places and, and just growth. Um, yeah. And I that sort of leaned to my experience from back home. So um, eventually when it made sense to, um, I put my hand up to try and move over and help with the implementation of our inventory software and things like that and, and help with the production side. And, um, yeah, that's sort of how I kind of made the transition into, I guess, now. So I did that for a while and then um, sort of moved into more, like, production planning then as well, working in with Sim um, when he was head brewer there, which was incredible. Again, um, Sim was really generous with his time and mm-hmm. collaboration with me. And then um, when I think it was just time for a new challenge, um Ballistic needed. I had an opportunity available, um, and met with David a few times, and yeah, came on as head of operations there. So, what a beautiful journey! Yeah, eh? so it's been wonderful, wonderful, and I feel like I've had a really great opportunity to do such a scope of different things Mm -hmm. across, which I also think is probably why operations was where I landed. Um, Spent some time in hospice, spent some time with production, spent some time in logistics. So everyone should, I think, if you're working in ops, you want to have like a good overview of every angle of the business, I guess, and that can inform your decision making more than if you just worked in one. Yeah, yeah, like hopefully you know understanding of the hurdles and and what the different departments go through um so that you can yeah I guess you know show respect to everybody at all levels so yeah Yeah. it was really really great and then obviously COVID hit and Mm. (laughs) oh yes (laughs) like two weeks in (laughs) yeah how long have you been at ballistic when COVID hit I think two weeks literally two yeah I started like mid-February and then um yeah and then it happened really quickly and I feel like there was a lot of questions being asked of you know, just can you look at these things? And I feel like I was sort of thinking to myself, like, where's the printer? Like, do you know what I mean? Like, I was so <laughs> the far real behind. basic stuff. Yeah, yeah, I was so far behind. <laughs> I think, like, just the realities of where the conversations needed to be because everybody was trying to figure out what does this mean, obviously, yeah. for businesses around the world. So, mm-hmm. um, we yeah. We still don't know, do no. we? No. <laughs> <laughs> Not a clue. Um, and, I mean, that's been really interesting as well to just see the growth of Ballistic, even just in the past two years, 
when you started, what, there was two, three venues? You had Salisbury, Springfield. Did you have Springfield then? We did, yeah. And Springfield West and West End. Yeah, West End. So just three then. And then you've got now Bagara and Whitsundays. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Which is mad. Yeah. Um, lots of people are following this multi-venue model. It seems to be the way forward, even though... And I always find it really interesting because we've been hit by COVID. Like, obviously, the hospitality side's gone completely haywire. Um, And yet people are still really confident in the idea that a multi-venue model could work for them. Why do you think that is? Um, (laughs) And Because it's obviously worked for ballistic, so... Yeah, and, like, I mean, there's a lot of challenges involved to doing it as well. So I I think, um, and certainly something we saw throughout COVID, Mm. um, or have obviously continued to see, is that it's a great, I guess, opportunity to diversify our channels Mm -hmm. for sales. And so, um, you know, when something wasn't firing, we could pivot into those. That wasn't obviously always the initial strategy, but it's a great opportunity for us to to say, okay, well, this isn't working for whatever reason. We can focus on this other channel, which is maybe, you know, wholesale or Mm -hmm. venues. And so you, you can, we had options, I guess, across our business, which was really nice to mm-hmm. be able to have. Um, I think the strategy for us was just aligned in with what the initial why of, of Ballistic, which is, you know, community and creating an experience. And um, that's, I think, hand in hand with a lot of what we do in the industry um, and how you sort of get the message across, right, of what, what we're trying to do and what we, what we are. Um, and to have those community hubs in Queensland especially, we, that's what we wanted to um, really focus because that's our community, like that's our home base. Um, and it's a, a way for us to create that experience around the brand, around the products and engage those people locally. So Reef, which is a product that we're offering um, in North Queensland currently, was sort of a something that we wanted to do as part of that, which is, um, you know, we didn't want to just sell local ballistic products in those venues we wanted to consider the community that we just joined um, which there's a huge focus on the reef it impacts both those communities and um, so we partnered with uh, eco barge and seq um, respectfully and uh, respectively sorry and um, <laughs> respectfully and, and yeah both <laughs> Bit of both. both love their work um, and and we wanted to be able to give back and we wanted to create a product and um yeah, working with not just the community, but our staff there, because we, we were very lucky to retain Andrew at Bagara as the head brewer, so we wanted to work in with Andrew as well and what he was, what he was doing up there. So um, I, th- I think it's just a lot of, it's the experience, I think, is probably one of the draws. Um, you're creating a space where you can share your brand, your values mm-hmm. um, with the people who are drinking your beer, you know, taste the quality, education, like mm-hmm. all these great things come out of of engaging people one-on-one mm-hmm. um, at that level. And I think that's been really successful for us and I'm sure a lot of other people. So I think that was one of the main drivers to do that is that was who we were. We we wanted to, like Salisbury is very much ingrained in the community um, and it's it's for the locals and they come and they bring their kids and we want that. Like we mm-hmm. we want them to feel like they can come on in their workwear, yep. you know. and Bring the dogs, bring the kids. Yeah, like you would have yeah. just mowed the lawn and show up and you're not going to feel <laughs> out of place. I love and, that. And that's, yeah. that's the goal, right? Like is just come because you just feel like you want to have a beer. Mm-hmm. So um, yeah, we, we wanted to create that in multiple mm-hmm. places. Awesome. And I mean, that... It's, I was, that was what some, basically what I was going to ask is that obviously you've got these venues and they're branded ballistic that you know they're a ballistic venue. How do you make that balance between keeping it 
true to what ballistic is and then also bringing in that community element is it like a purely a branding thing like a visuals making it aesthetically look like a ballistic or is it like staff training or how do you how do you do that how do you find that balance yeah sure I like I think definitely look and feel like brand um, consistency Mm -hmm. is important I think so that you know you can it doesn't have to be necessarily the exact same, but mm-hmm. some of the key markers I think are, are nice to have um, mm-hmm. consistency. But I think it's also just looking at like what is the community that you're about to open in? Like, does it fit who we are? So it's more I think about um, aligning who do we consider like our mm-hmm. ballistic customers and yeah. and who do we want to? I guess creating that same thing because I, I just feel like if we opened a venue uh, somewhere, you know, and maybe a CBD, mm-hmm. like that doesn't necessarily make sense if you know who ballistic is and and you've sort of looked at it like that's a bit different than what we sort of engage people with at Salisbury and things like that so it needed to be something that makes sense that when people go there they feel the genuine connection between those those sites Mm -hmm. um and then yeah certainly once you have staff in so many different places and all of that becomes like communication and, and process and all these things that uh, you know, aren't aren't super cool to talk about, but <laughs> but it's all part of like how we are professionalizing as an industry. Yeah. It might not be like like trendy and hipstery and like I just rolled out of bed like this type of thing. But you know, if you want to maintain that consistency and have people know that this is ballistic and these are the standards that you'd expect at a ballistic venue, you've got to kind of codify that a little bit more. Maybe like how do you do that? Do you have like I don't know, staff training books or how do you make it a professional business? <laughs> Me and Matt are always asking ourselves that. Um, <laughs> I like certainly wouldn't like work in progress always. You know, we <laughs> had, we grew really quickly, which all the hurdles of resources and how quickly those things happen come mm-hmm. into it. So, but um, you know, we try and improve every day just like anyone else would, I think. And it comes down to, um, yeah, like the manuals, like putting together a great package for onboarding somebody. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we always ask for feedback after that. You know, what do you think you would have loved to have known that you didn't hear mm-hmm. in this experience? Because it's hard to, it's hard to uh, know what you've missed when you when you already know everything. If yeah. that makes sense. Mm-hmm. So, um, things, eyes. yeah, things Key. that are like intuitive when you've been there for five years don't necessarily make sense to somebody who's just walked in the door. So. Yeah. Um, getting that together in terms of like what is the why you know what what do we stand for all all those things are really important what's our code of conduct um and then talking about the beers and talking about the whys and the stories behind them and engaging everybody and and then trying to make sure that we're engaging everybody when we when we can do events and you know trying to share who can go to gabs and things like like Mm -hmm. going to functions and events and festivals and having the staff interact with each other um, is really, really valuable because they share their experiences in terms of what's working, you know, at their different sites or yeah. what what they know about being at Salisbury, right? Like, it's a different atmosphere if you're working at the venue at Salisbury where production is right there all the time yeah. to maybe, like, if you're in with Sundays. So trying to make sure that those paths cross so that, um, you know, everyone's sort of getting to learn what's going on. So, like, mm-hmm. coming into our... Well, we have a birthday coming up. So coming into that, we were doing, you know, beers at all venues because except for um, West End they're all brew pubs so Mm -hmm. they've all got kits and so trying to get the staff engaged at each one of those to be part of the brew day and then swap the beers throughout the establishment. That is really cool because I mean that's what I think like as you get bigger and bigger and you see it with like big box pubs mainly is that you know the staff are just 
the staff they're just there temporarily they don't know that much about the beer or anything like that they're not expected to really in that kind of thing because they're part of a massive group and you know the turnover of staff staff is quite high so inevitably you know you don't expect the level of education or experience behind the bar or anywhere in the uh, business uh, except maybe top levels um, as you would maybe at a brew pub or what I think the industry is trying to cultivate is that education piece as well. So how do you, it must be hard to keep that level of like quality and education in all your staff as you get bigger. Yeah, very much so. And I won't (laughs) sit here and say like, we're all over it. (laughs) We're we're all, (laughs) we're we're all Cicero. We've done it. We know how everything's Um, doing. (laughs) Yeah, we, again, like we're every day, you know, we get better and better at it, which I think is really important. So it's, um, you know, having, communication is so important and sometimes so hard right what do you where what's too much what's not enough what's the right and effective way to Mm -hmm. share all that um so you know amongst our venues we always do regular catch-ups in which they're all included um so that they can have those conversations and so we can all talk about new products together Mm -hmm. um we've started doing like because you want that continuity across your products, right? And it's easy for the brewers at Salisbury, for example, maybe to catch paths with somebody at, at the venue mm-hmm. and, and have a chat to them about what the beers are. So like we've, you know, tasting notes for each thing that goes out and very detailed in terms of like, this is the why and um, this is what's, go- these are the ingredients. And it's not necessarily that they want to know all those things, but they have it available and they mm-hmm. can ask questions. And then we try and do tastings mm-hmm. leading into releases. So we try and get as many mm-hmm. staff as we can on and c- try and get cans into hands so that people can have it and we'll have a brewer jump in and mm-hmm. do a little tasting. And it's, it's, you know, come in and um, learn about it before it goes on tap and like all those sorts of things are yeah. just trying to, and, and that it's also engaging, yeah. you know, you're getting to know people from different departments of the business. Um, so yeah, it's, it's, it is hard, but it's really important. And I think, um, just making sure that you're putting these sort of processes together by which, you know, you're always putting those tasting notes together. You're always trying to get tastings in front of employees and, um, yeah, again, they're not cool things, but they really do make it work. Right. It's like, if we have the same process at each one of our venues as to how we want to make sure that you are standing at the bar, knowing how to talk about a product, that's great for all of us and Mm -hmm. it's great for our customers because then you're going to be the expert that they want you to be in talking about it yeah exactly and have you seen or I don't know whether you'd get feedback from your staff that often about it but do you find that customers are becoming a bit more educated asking more complicated questions or is it more just like a nice basic interest in like the oh what's this tell me what an IPA is or something like that how what kind of I imagine you get like the full spectrum yeah definitely yeah absolutely and um I think, you know, you want to be able to um, give the right experience to each one, right? Mm-hmm. So if somebody comes in and they're really um, knowledgeable, like, that's amazing. And I think that you can have a completely different conversation. I scared. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God, don't grill me on this. Well, and you can have a completely different <laughs> yeah. conversation with them, too. And, it, and it's all about, like, you don't always have to know all the answers, right? Mm-hmm. Like, none of us necessarily do. And when you get to the point where they maybe know more, it's well, that's kind of cool yeah. as well. Like, um, this person's so passionate that they've, on their own, sought out this experience and um sometimes it's just nice to say like that's really cool can you tell me about that like, <laughs> yeah. um, start from the basics yeah so I don't well, think I'd ever like <laughs> swivel my chair at one of our venue staff and, and expect them to you know know what mash temps are happening like whatever yeah, that yeah, might yeah, be yeah. right but yeah definitely a spectrum and I think it's nice to be able to offer you know anybody what experience they've come in for so mm-hmm. um and that was true when I was working at like Tipplers many years ago yeah, as well yeah. which is um 
when somebody comes up, they're going to say either, you know, don't really know, but I want to be taken on a journey or I know exactly what I'd like. Mm-hmm. Happy for both, yeah. both people and to, to walk in. But I certainly think that um, craft is becoming or independent beer like that. I think a lot of people are understanding that there are options, that there are different styles available to them um, as it's just growing. Yeah. Like the industry is just growing and there's lots of um, lots of offerings now in regional areas and in cities. Like it's just more widely available. Yeah. And so I think certainly as time's passing, people are starting to ask more questions about it. And, and so, yeah, I would say definitely there's a lot more people who know at least something about it or who are interested to, you know, get a recommendation from a friend yeah. of what, what would you consider? So I think a lot of people are keen to try it and especially at recommendation from a friend. Yeah. Right. If they're, oh, if yeah. your friend's Word drinking something and you, yeah. And, and you, you, you trust, that, can you? Correct, and you trust what they're going to say, then <laughs> yeah. you're like, um, cool. I'll have one too then. Yeah. <laughs> Go for it. Yeah. <laughs> we are a bit susceptible to that. It's true. Um, so, I mean, we touched on it briefly earlier. Um, having the hospitality, uh, like customer facing side of everything back in the day people might have been more of a production brewery and then like go distribution or st- some people still do that model um and it works really well for them and then other people have realized you know we do need the customer facing thing but I think the world has changed a lot in the past two, and everybody knows it the world has changed a lot in the past two years and it's impacted hospitality businesses a lot so what are the main sort of things that you've seen uh in terms of staffing and what do you expect in the future from like just the legacy of COVID, I guess. Yeah. Um, I think staffing is a challenge. I, I don't mm-hmm. think that that's news to, to anybody, but staffing I think has become really challenging because yeah. it's uh, something that I think used to be a go-to industry for a lot of people like hospitality, I think used to be really considered reliable mm-hmm. income. Now is probably questioned a little bit more. Like, is that somewhere that Will, will my job be safe? Will I have a steady source of income? Um, and I think that's going to make it hard to bring in staff into mm-hmm. hospitality venues. And I think we're already sort of seeing that. Um, there are certainly challenges um, but on that side of it. So I think then it becomes what is the offering like? Mm-hmm. What is the experience? And, and how are you, um, I guess, how are you differentiating yourself from any other hospitality experience for, yeah. for the staff, not just yeah. for the consumer? So... I think it'll, yeah, I see it being, you know, you're bringing them into the business, not maybe just necessarily as a casual employee, but what are what are you hoping to get to? Like, where would you like to see yourself? Did you consider logistics down the line? When to, like, what are your interests and how can we incorporate them into your job currently and then maybe even down the line, right, if you choose to stay Absolutely. with the business. so Even better if you're a brewing company, if you brew, because you've got so many other aspects of the business, not just maybe like the bar staff or um, ops. You've got the brewing and you've got like the sales bit and you've got like there's loads of other aspects of the business that you could go, potentially go into, I guess. That's right. And I mean, we're, we're, we're businesses, like you yeah. said. So, you know, you're going to have marketing, you're going to have HR, you're going to have – and so I think – yeah, sometimes when you look at a brewery, you're just like, oh, queen, it's a brewery. Sweet. Yeah, I could yeah. be a brewer or I could be a brewer. <laughs> <laughs> Those are my options. <laughs> Those are my options. I want to do it. And yeah. that's amazing. Um, but I think lesser known, right, is that the people that surround that are obviously um, just experts yeah. in the fields of marketing, logistics, sales, all those things as well. So there's lots of different avenues for somebody to come in. So, uh, again, it's just part of the the 
package, I guess, that you're offering, I think is going to become really important. I think already is important. Um, But I think to be able to sort of draw from what's going to get smaller, I think you're just going to have to treat it a bit more um, as a, as a journey and um, yeah, education. Yeah, rather than as a temporary, oh, you're just here for like six months or whatever, so just do your job and that's it. Like, we don't need to get engage with you anymore. Actually, you could do this, this and this if you want to stay with us a bit longer. Maybe that'll be the way forward. Yeah, and, and I think part of that too is that because there's that maybe volatility now in people's minds in hospitality, that it might start to shift that less people looking for hospitality roles are looking to do something temporary and that they actually might be doing hospitality because they really enjoy it and they like the customer facing side of it. And then it's like that person is actually a long-term employee. And mm-hmm. um, so I, I think it's going to change. And I think that it'd be important to, yeah, b- review that offering and make sure that, you know, you have a good reason to, mm-hmm. to retain and train staff. Yeah. Yeah, that's it. And I mean, I'm hoping to see that we see more of that because surely that could only benefit the business if you've got staff there long term who've moved up through the business. Yeah. Um, you know, there's hopefully there'll be more loyalty there as well. Um, but in terms of, we were just speaking off air then about sort of the general feeling in maybe specifically in Queensland, obviously that's where all your main, main operations are, but what are, what's the general feeling amongst customers at the minute because of the COVID stuff? Caution and worry and a little bit of obviously omicron <laughs> knocking yeah. around so what what's the verdict and what do you think is going to happen like what are your forecast what are you forecasting at ballistic um yeah i like agree with that statement i think um what we've seen in our venues is that january has been challenging and um a lot of that is just because people are unwell like mm-hmm. genuinely just have yeah. it or um or don't want to get don't it immediately wanna, <laughs> yes or don't want to get it or you know um yeah are trying to be cautious so definitely January was like that and I think probably that will carry through a little bit through February mm-hmm. um but I think we're also starting to see in our venues uh that people are coming back in um you know slowly but people are starting to feel a bit more comfortable and I think that's just as time is passing and regulations are changing and government advice is um you know coming out people are just feeling like they can come back out again and catch up with friends and that sort of thing and so optimistic yeah optimistic (laughs) definitely optimistic I I don't know you know to what level right away like I'm not suggesting I think it'll just be a a mass spike back to yeah good as yeah Yeah, but um but I think that I think that you know interested to see I guess um small change with people like kids going back to school and things Mm -hmm. like that but I think that February will be I'm optimistic for February and then optimistic beyond that and I think Mm -hmm. slight shift that we I think spoke about which is at the minute I think it's quite just show up like Mm -hmm. where bookings became quite standard for the reasons around like social distancing and that it was just mandatory Mm -hmm. Um, now I think a little bit the opposite where people are just going to wait and see you know can everybody show up? Is everybody well? Yep. And then attend, which um, is just something you've got to pivot for. Yeah, exactly. Um, and it also meant some really interesting things for you guys as part of the Mighty Craft portfolio, little family of brands. We were talking, we were saying that you hadn't even met the team at Mighty Craft yet. Yes. You t- two weeks in, it was COVID and that was it. No yeah, travel. pretty much. So before I started, which I thought actually of later was quite lucky, but uh, before I actually started with Ballistic, um, I just had a couple weeks off and I 
went to an event thankfully and I got to meet a couple of the people so I think I got to meet like maybe four or five who I would be working with so that's really nice and so met them in in person IRL as now we say Um, (laughs) and then and then yeah COVID happened and we Mm. spent the next like two years communicating via teams um oh my god I hate always on mute Uh, like there's you know none of us can quite learn the lesson of mute um and then uh yeah I had the opportunity to go down for the tail end of good beer week um and and do a couple of shifts at gabs and so that was the first time since that we'd been able to go down and go to the office and meet the team and it it was great to get to meet everyone in person and really funny how many of their team as well because obviously they'd all also been locked down at home we're sort of just getting to introduce themselves for the first time like new people that had come on in the last you know six months to a year (laughs) had effectively spent the whole time at home so (laughs) it was really funny to be going into a meeting introducing ourselves and then as well them introducing themselves to each other (laughs) (laughs) so weird such a strange world that we live yes very um I mean how how have you found it as part of being part of Minecraft how how much do they have to do with you on a daily or you have to do with them on a daily basis quite a bit um so I guess in my current role or my new role Mm -hmm. um I work in really closely with their national sales manager. I, I did before, but we've sort of restructured a little bit. So mm-hmm. I try and, and work in and be a bit of a, a central hub, I guess. Um, and, you know, our marketing works in with there. So we um, we do a lot of, like, we have our own sort of marketing. We have our own, obviously, ops and, and production. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Mighty Craft, we work in with, and they work in with us to help us align that to demand sales. Um, so it's got to be quite close relationship in terms of working in with them for activation and pause and all these other things. So um, like really t- closely aligned, to be honest, and we spend quite a bit of time together because um, they're our sales agency, like yeah. they're our partner. Um, so, uh, and, it, and it's been it's been really interesting and good. Like I think coming on to Ballistic, like I'm sure a lot of people, A, it was new and, and I really honestly didn't understand it. I've and it took a little while to uh, being in it to sort of understand um, what it was and how's the connection work and everything like that. So, yeah, working in with them, uh, they have such great insight um, that we just don't have um, into yeah. sales and such a great experience throughout their business. And not just in sales, like in marketing and in supply chain. And, and it's really nice to have other experts that you can call and pick up the phone and draw and the other partners as well. Like that's also a nice resource to be able to have to um, ask questions of. And, you know, it's always great to bounce ideas off of people. So um, I think they've been a really good resource. Like Hawaiian Hayes would potentially not have done what it did so quickly. Like it's a great product, but, um, you know, were we prepared for a national ranging no (laughs) (laughs) you got there fast though we sure did um so yeah like I have photos on my phone of you know the first trucks that came and Mm -hmm. it was just like a sea of green cans and like it was really cool and I think that's a kudos to you know what what their experiences in that nationals sort of space and and what they know about how to tailor that offering um so yeah I think like we, we work really closely with them we ultimately you know we're majority owned by ourselves still so Mm -hmm. that's why we have those separate entities because we need to also make sure that like we're doing our own brand marketing and things like that above and beyond what they're already doing um but those sort of experiences that they that they have as a business they do have a lot of expertise um to offer absolutely and 
like it seems to me it's like almost like a little cooperative where people just get to leverage off the other people and use that knowledge and share it and like that can only be a great thing for the businesses that are involved in it um one thing I always think is that when you've got like a family a portfolio brands like that like how do you know how much and this is obviously one from my graph really but how do you know how much effort and time to put into each brand like do you ever have discussions about that and like oh can we can we have a bit more attention over at Ballistic or, oh, we're not bothered, we don't need you right now? Or, like, how does that work? <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, definitely have discussions about that, uh, as I'm sure all partners do. Mm. Um, and I think they do a good job of, of balancing. Like, um, at the end of the day, it's a portfolio together. Mm. So uh, things that, you know, need to happen, obviously, is that you try and make sure that the portfolio is a uh, compelling offer. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you don't want to have similar releases coming out so like all of that they've sort of got to navigate on behalf of us oh my god that must be such a nightmare (laughs) to manage that overarching I didn't even think about that yeah Yeah, it's it's tough right so (laughs) so there's definitely um yeah definitely a lot of that would fall to them Mm -hmm. um and I think they do you know a good job of that because uh like definitely early on we had a couple challenges and that's also sometimes like as much information as they have to be able to so it can fall in the partners as well so um we have to work in with them and we have to work in with the other partners to make sure and you know if somebody's going through um maybe like a a brand change or obviously you want to put some attention towards that right because it's something new that they've invested in and that needs in those moments to take some priority and so it's I think I want to say that it's ebbs and flows, right? Like it's, um, everybody definitely gets their share um, and it might not always be consistent. It usually is, but like if there's a reason that something needs to have um, a bit of a highlight for a little bit, like that's, 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 yeah, well, that's got to be because I guess we'd want the same, right? If we were going to invest in something. Something So yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, but definitely it's got to be a balancing act and and, um, yeah, tough. Yeah. Oh yeah, definitely. But I, and maybe the longer you work together as well, the more you kind of get to know what's going on and you understand their business, they understand your business a bit more. Sometimes it is just a time thing. Like it just takes a little time to work together and It's new still it too, really. Yeah. Like in the in the scheme of business and like it's it's fairly it's new. It's a totally still, right? new model. Yeah. yeah so it can, it's only what, two, three years old now? Yeah. Like, uh, yeah. Still? I, I honestly, <laughs> Mark probably hates me because I write about them all the time. I feel like they've been around for ages, but they're not. They're really new still. So there's loads of things they're still trying to work out and directions to go in that, you know, they haven't explored before. So it'll be really exciting to see where Minecraft goes and, and how Ballistic fits into that yeah. in the future as well. Yeah, so certainly. Really cool. Yeah. Um, now we've gone... We've gone ballistic. <laughs> oh, God. She made the joke. You she did made it. the joke. I did it. Well, this is where oh, I leave. No. She's off. <laughs> Sick of it. Um, so let's have a chat about uh, your new role at the IBA then. Yes. So I think you're mental, for starters. <laughs> oh, my God. Having, knowing and w- working with and sometimes creating work for the IBA, I know how much they do uh, like behind the scenes I don't think lots of brewers sometimes realize like what's going on behind the scenes at the IBA and let me tell you it's everything um so what made you want to get involved with the IBA in the first place on that kind of level rather than yeah well initially actually it was I had a discussion with a friend in the industry who who said I'd like to I'd like to nominate you I think you'd be really great on this and I had to think about it because I'd actually just taken on the COO role and I felt a bit, I was a oh bit busy. God, a I was a bit busy with that. Um, <laughs> Just a bit. <laughs> and uh, but I, I really wanted to do it, and I, um, I 
wanted to, uh, yeah, I just wanted to be a part of it. I feel like I've gotten quite a bit from the industry. Um, I love being a part of it. Like I love everything about it. Um, and so I wanted to do that and I thought I could provide something, like I could bring something to the table. Um, and so I, I, yeah, it didn't take very long. I don't mm-hmm. know if I hesitated at all. Um, I think I said yes on the phone call and I, and then from that moment forward, I campaigned and I, mm-hmm. you know, I tried to call people and, and encourage them, uh, then have them ask me questions if they mm-hmm. wanted to in terms of like make sure that you feel I'll be the right fit yeah. um but I agree with you I um like and David obviously David Kitchen was on it mm-hmm. before and um maybe still didn't really have a scope of the totality of what they do and Kylie and her team are incredible oh my god absolute wizard it's I don't know how yeah to do it. it is it's I'd incredible break, i'd have a breakdown just looking at the to-do list to be honest yeah <laughs> and it yeah it is and it's incredible and they do a really great job of it and so um yeah like always hats off to that but i certainly agree with what you said like i think I, it was even eye-opening to me um but i'm like you're yeah, really glad to be a part of it um i think it's a really interesting board and i yeah i love i love to be a part of that mm-hmm. like you know great diversity on yeah. it and I so yeah really really excited about it really glad Brilliant. that uh, it worked out excellent and like uh, we've seen in, there's loads of different industry bodies across the world New Zealand the US all shapes and sizes covering different things what do you think that the IBA should focus on like what do you see as in your role as uh, ballistic like what do you see the IBA doing what what are their main priorities really certainly like representing industry at that level like Mm -hmm. national and um you know that presence I think is important like us as a as members and as a community um need to come together and and have a voice and I think that that portion is really important um but what I I also really feel the IBA has the power to do and, and is doing is um like resources for the member, you know, helping helping everybody develop their business, and I think that's something that there's so much collective knowledge and uh, across the board, and and it's how do we, as an industry, grow in professionalism and keep you know breaking down, I guess these barriers, and how do we do, just how do we do things better? How do we become more efficient? Because then we you know we just it's better for everyone and I guess we keep growing and um so I, I think I see us having a, a role in in that conversation and how can we support people from small all the way through in terms of you know whatever level you're at um let's offer something for you to be able to pull from so whether that's you know kits for um onboarding or information about you know brewing which they do and Mm -hmm. obviously like the labeling like all that stuff I think is really helpful Mm -hmm. and I know uh, like I know how often people use the things that are there so um, I think that more of that is is definitely something that I think that we should be doing and are doing Um, and I and the education piece I think is really really important Mm -hmm. and and um, obviously the industry requires that yeah so I think that the work that we're doing there is, is really important um, so yeah that's I guess what I want to help contribute into as well like I want to see um, I want to see us keep building all those resources mm-hmm. and I've got that great piece of work obviously that was done leading into this for you know the 10-year roadmap so um, I think that with all that information like we can have a really great impact on behalf of the members so obviously it'll be resources that are required by the members but um 
but yeah, I think that's some of the information that's like discussed as well. Like that's what I would sort of reach for, I guess, is, you know, how do I find this for the first time? Well, I can find it here or I can find a contact even that or a agency that is aligned with us as a group that I can reach out to and, um, you know, a group buying power there, right? Where Mm -hmm. it's like, you're the preferred X of us as members, Mm -hmm. but there's a benefit for members as well. Yeah. Oh, interesting. Okay, cool. Um, and obviously the education piece has been really interesting. And I know Richard uh, Adamson, he's obviously been really pushing that from the IBA's perspective as part of the sort of education skills group. We've still seem to have a lot long way to go with that in a number of states. Um, but also it's interesting that you mentioned, the, you know, resources for like other things about just how to run a business effectively. Because I think when people become brewers and like especially if you're smaller you maybe have been a home brewer or whatever and then you want to open your own brewery don't necessarily have the business skills and even some of the TAFE courses um, I believe don't give you the necessary sort of you know knowledge about HR or you know whether to have a code of conduct or um, anything about like the niche requirements and alcohol labeling or something like that you don't necessarily you could get taught to brew you don't necessarily get taught all the other stuff that goes around brewing um which I find I don't know if that's if that's fair to say is that what you found as well yeah I I'm yeah like certainly it's it's brewery brewing aligned at the minute Mm -hmm. um and I'm sure like as it grows you know the curriculum could grow because Mm -hmm. I think at the end of the day like the long-term scope of of that would be how do we just create like a well-educated industry I guess or how do we build you know tools so I think that if if there was a, a want or a need, like that would just be developed as well as part of that. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, c- currently, like I think it, it's a, it's certainly just about not just about, but it's mm-hmm. it's getting brewers um, trained up and and into the and into the industry, yeah. um, which I think is amazing and really needed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh yes, definitely. Um, <laughs> God, that must be tricky though, because you your volumes are only going up now. So how yeah. are you doing it? How's your brewing team? This is total side note. It's not where I was going to go. We with all, but <laughs> we're we're doing all right. Um, we we not luckily, but we you know scoped for the year and, and mm-hmm. what we were hoping to do. So we've got a good team Great. currently that um, that will will see us through. Um, but yeah, certainly. I mean, we look to that, and we were really keen on um, just like the quality of people coming out of that's obviously fantastic. And um, so, I think it's a really great initiative, and us, along with a lot of other people, um, are really keen to engage with that and have staff come in from that program. Yeah. So, um, I think, yeah, I think it's really, really good. I think it's only going to get better. Yeah. Um, and I think that the more that we can bring into it, the better. I mean, I also like TAFE will already offer courses like for business and, mm-hmm. and things. So there are avenues, obviously. Yeah. And they've got the ability to do that because they already run those kind of courses. So, Correct. So, know. I mean, there's, yeah, for outside of, I guess, the like the brewing side of it, I mean, mm-hmm. that was just genuinely maybe missing. Whereas I think that if you want to upskill or do learn anything in terms of some of the, the other avenues of marketing, e-commerce, all those sorts of things, there's a lot of already existing pathways and courses that you can take mm-hmm. um but again like you know highlighting those and and resourcing those and giving people pathways to to find those is never a bad thing yep, absolutely and another thing that will do is hopefully fingers crossed touchwood um create a more diverse industry yes yeah, so um obviously now you're on the board and you've got karina you've got uh karina steve from prancing pony and claire clouting from gauge roads um so that's really 
Fantastic. It's um, awesome. I love to see it. Uh, Richie did make a joke when I spoke to him for Christmas. He's like, well, it's still a bunch of old white dudes. <laughs> I was like, oh, it's all right, Richard. <laughs> you know, you got some ladies on there too. We're, we're moving in the right direction yeah. at the very least, which is fantastic. Obviously, we've seen the um, issues with sexism in the industry that got it brought up last year. Um, and then again, it's sort of resurfaced uh, with the issues with James Watt and the allegations against him at BrewDog. Um what do you think of that in the Australian context? Is it a problem? Yes, of, yes, of mm-hmm. course it's a problem. Um, yes, I've seen it, um, and I am really aligned in in trying to make the change. And 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 I know that the industry is in general. Like mm-hmm. I think, um, but I think now it's about not just talking about it and putting a- words into action and mm-hmm. making sure that as the years are going on, um, you know, we're re- we're reflecting back on how much better we've gotten. Yeah. And I think that piece is really important, right? It's not just sometimes about noticing and drawing attention to a problem, but how do you, how are you meaningfully trying to create change? I know. And that's the thing as well, because it is so hard. Like it's a part, it's about culture. It's not like KPR, as you could say, right, we've got X amount of people. That's not how it works in the the real world. Um, So it can be really difficult to judge how well you've done um, I know there's obviously been the um, diversity survey that was released recently, which is obviously really quite shocking to see from my perspective as well. Because, you know, I don't know about you, but I feel like I'm in a pretty privileged position. I don't often see that very much, but I don't have to live that life. Like I'm sort of outside the the everyday business of, of brewing. Yeah. Um, so that can be really difficult. Um, and I don't know, like, what can you do as a business? Like, have you, what have you done at Ballistic? Is there anything that you've sort of implemented or how do you sort of bring that culture? How do you change that culture to be inclusive? My personal views, I guess, are uh, like education Mm -hmm. um, because it's not just about, uh, it's about educating all staff, right? And all people, like it's not necessarily, like sometimes I think the hardest part portion is unconscious. And so it's how do you change the mind of somebody who doesn't realize that they even feel that way or that they're doing it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's about having those conversations and bringing in industry experts who can talk about it and who can just continue to share light. And it's, you know, having those people form their own opinions over time and make realizations that they might not. So awareness really is a huge one, I think. And, um, and like the code of conducts and things like that, I think are really important. Um, like while you're, I guess, while we're trying to, you know, educate the industry and what can we do to improve it there's also got to be a stop to it currently and so code of conducts in business are things that benefit every level executive all the way down mm-hmm. to casual staff right like it's um what am I allowed to do what am I not allowed to do what are the consequences how should we be acting as a business and and to be held to that account as well so mm-hmm. whether whether you've got an external HR agency, whether you've got something internal, I think it's really important to engage in that um, at a certain level. Like, I mean, at any level, ideal, but I understand obviously there are constraints um, like when you're a small business. business. Yeah, 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 so I'm not sitting here thinking, you know, if you don't have it, you've just not done right. Mm-hmm. But as you start to grow and you have more and more staff, especially for us, we've got it at such a broad regional area. Yeah. You know, we. We have brought in um, an HR manager. Uh, she's wonderful. And it's an opportunity, I think, for people to feel safe that they can reach out to somebody 
have it have an issue have it addressed in the same way that anyone else would whereas if you don't have that like think about what the pathway is for your staff is a pathway through their direct manager and then are they going to take that pathway like if there's not a forum to have the conversation Mm -hmm. and you haven't created that then you're not going to know and it's going to fester and it's it's I think more often than not unintentional yeah so it's not but I think it's then about like this code of conduct and having policies around how you manage it and having an external business who's an expert in it give you a bit of direction is a great thing to lean into um, because that's what they do they know that sort of process and they know the do's and don'ts and so I I, um I'm really, I really enjoyed like the piece that we've done. Obviously we did a code of conduct through the Mm -hmm. IBA. um, And I think addressing like diversity and all that is high on our list. And it's um, a conversation me and a lot of people are really keen to have. Right. So I, yeah, I think it's, um, I think that it's great that we're having the conversations. And so I think that part, um, we've got a great industry again, that's looking to make change. But again, it's about, the actions and yeah. so how do we how are we going to do this it's a nice idea but you know how are we going to get there correct <laughs> and I and I think it's like if one of the hurdles you know is is resources then mm-hmm. how can we make it a resource that's um, available at, at any level yeah. like you know what can we do as an industry to to make it easy for people to have that be a part of their business and not worry yeah. about the financials or anything like that because I think inherently people are really keen to to have it and, and build these great foundations. Absolutely. Um, and they're good for business later. Like they set up this scenario by which you can have good conversations with your staff, positive and negative, where you've got something that you've got in place that you know you're following the right process mm-hmm. um, rather than ad hoc, which can always create issue. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, we, we've talked about it in sort of relation to the issue of um, female diversity, but this covers everything, doesn't it? It covers um, people of colour, it co- covers LGBTQI+, um, it co- covers disabilities. Um, and I know, I, and I don't know whether it just feels like natural that lots of breweries will ha- happily and inclusively want to support all these causes and so it should just follow that that's what they look like as a business anyway doesn't yeah. it because I mean that's what you're co- and I think I said it this morning on the podcast which will be when you listen to this last week's podcast <laughs> um basically the you know this is what the public looks like if you want to have customers in the public if you want to sell to the public not just a niche tiny little craft beer market you want to be able to reflect that and be inclusive to that as well so not only is it morally right it's also you know could be financially helpful (laughs) you never know and like where are you seeking (laughs) diversity as well right like where are you looking for Mm -hmm. these people that you're wanting to onboard so it can be quite challenging I think to say we want to be diverse we're not Mm -hmm. quite sure how like fair so but uh, you know where are you where are you advertising how are you advertising like Mm -hmm who what is the representation in a photo that you might attach with a job application Mm -hmm. um like if I'm somebody I guess applying do I look at this application not knowing much about your business or do I go on to your site and do I see what you're trying to achieve yeah and you want to see as somebody 
as anybody really you want to see yourself in that business and if you don't see yourself there you're like oh maybe this isn't for me correct yeah so that's yeah that's that is a really interesting point I never thought about it like that because I guess that is the first thing you do when you look for a job isn't it go on the site and look what they're up to and who they are yeah um so yeah wow okay there yeah if there's not a broad representation of yeah. who you are yeah, you're a bit yeah. like maybe then I'm not supposed to exactly and then it's just a self-perpetuating thing like that's you're right. only going to attract the same sort of people to the industry so and I mean I feel like there are some simple things you can do to fix that in but also as we've said you know much more longer term things as well to look at but it's it is a it's a really tricky one and like I never expect anyone to have an answer um but you know at least we're talking about it and at least we're thinking about it and hopefully that's gonna help absolutely I think everything does like to keep talking about it and um you know when you can and if you can have the opportunity and it's important to you yeah. put your hand up to join in with something like you probably have some expertise that could be really helpful in, in moving it forward faster than faster than it might be so yeah I would just say always to to you know Absolutely. contribute don't feel like you can't yeah and plug here for pink boots uh if you haven't joined pink boots and get on board at pink boots because we love pink boots yes absolutely <laughs> they're just an awesome bunch and um they've got a little like private facebook group and everyone just posts stuff for help or just just some nice stuff. It's just a safe space. Like, yeah. I love a bit. I mean, International Women's Day coming up. Like, yes. celebrate yourself. Yes. Celebrate your colleagues. Cel- <laughs> celebrate. Yeah. Just go wild. Yeah. So that'd be brilliant. Um, but what else is going on at Ballistic at the minute then? What have you got coming up? You said there's a birthday going on. Yes. Uh, so it's our sixth birthday uh, oh, celebrating on March 5th. I know. Time. <laughs> time. <laughs> it does indeed fly. Um, <laughs> so we're pretty excited. We're gearing up for that. Um, Beautiful. It's the time of year where you start to think about gabs and... <gasps> What are you going to brew and what is are the there stand going to look being like? Around? Oh yes, know? hush hush. Um, <gasps> but you yes. can't tell me anything. <laughs> what? Um, but yeah, I'm pretty excited. I think about the direction that we're we're thinking of taking, um, and I think you know every year we we say we're going to sit down well in advance and really hash it out, and then <laughs> life happens and <laughs> Christmas happens yeah, and yeah. everyone gets busy. So uh, we did that this year. So um, I think something that and like it's you know down to our senior leadership team which are incredible but uh and all of our teams but something that I think is my new sort of role that the change that that is is that to try and when we talk about those things not just have them accidentally fall by the wayside because we've got bogged down in the Mm day-to-day it's about bringing things back to these higher level slightly long-term strategic goals that we've got and reminding us all as a team that we need to work towards those so that's sort of part of what I'm supposed to be doing, I guess, but not, I guess that's what I do now. Um, <laughs> that is my job. That is my job. Uh, so, so that's been really fun in that when you do try and prioritize those things, not surprisingly, um, you have so much more time for creativity and, and to really flesh it out and focus on the details and things like that. So I'm excited about what we're, we're thinking of doing for Gabs. Um, but, but right now I'm very focused me, on the birthday. <laughs> We've can't got... believe you would tease that for me. That's so cruel. Um, <laughs> I'll see if I can get out of her after this podcast. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, the birthday will be cool. I mean, trying to, like, as you said before, trying to execute it at five different venues yes. is a challenge. And well, are you going to do it like same time for every, obviously yeah. on the same day? Something in every venue. Um, oh, so, you know, like, yeah, massive hats off, one, massive <laughs> hats off to the <laughs> venue team planning it all. But um, it's, it's, yeah, we've got a unique beer being brewed at each one, which is really Fantastic. cool and really given the reins over to the 
individual brewers at those sites mm-hmm. um, to kind of just have a play, right, and put their own character on it. So um, that'll be available at all, Excellent. which will be really fun. And then, um, you know, games, music, um, little brewing experience, which we're going to oh, be able good. to provide at all because we lucky enough to have a version of, like, brewer's production at each one so um each one will be a little bit unique because the sites are different Mm -hmm. but um i think that's going to be really interesting and again back to that education piece where we can you know when customers are coming in we can talk to them about how those beers that they're drinking right now were made Mm -hmm. and sort of let them sample it at the different stages raw mats all the way through to you know off the tap excellent yeah i will so be there at that one that's gonna be amazing yeah yeah super exciting lots on always like um and very excited about it all and um yeah i think it's gonna be a great year and i think next year will be as well and i'm really excited to dig in with the iba team um kylie and everybody on that board as you said is amazing and brings such a unique and great offering Mm -hmm. Um, so I'm really excited to keep oh, digging yeah. in that. Yeah. Oh, fantastic. Oh, well, thank you, Lauren Jack, Thanks. Chief Operating Officer. <laughs> uh, it's been an absolute pleasure to have you on the Beer is a Conversation podcast. And she's already told me that she's taking me to Sunday soon, so we're off. If you don't see us for a week, that's me and Lauren gone. Hamilton Island, you won't be able to reach us, so sorry. <laughs> see you later. <laughs> All right, well, thank you again, Lauren. Really appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Don't forget, if you like what we do at Radio Brews News, you can help us out in a number of ways. You can sponsor the show, either by a small monthly contribution or through a one-off donation. You can find details in the show notes. You can review our podcast on iTunes or your favourite podcasting service. Let us know what you think and help others discover the show. Finally, you can tell us directly what you think by sending an email to producer at brewsnews.com.au. All letters received will receive a Brews News bottle opener. We love hearing your thoughts on the stories we cover because beer is a conversation.